1: 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.
0: Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash loss. That's plushcare.com slash loss. The truth is the most convincing story that maps onto reality, and that's why the central narrative is falling apart. Right now in the United
1: States, people should not be walking around with masks.
0: We must see the central narrative for the fiction that it is. We are Americans. While elections are sometimes messy... This was a secure election. The founders began the fight for human liberty and self-governance, and it's up to us to finish the job.
1: i tell you what, we are in a truth emergency right now.
0: This is the end game. Friday August 4th 2023 the 926th day of dystopia I'm your moderator Chris Paul let's be reasonable a warm welcome and a hello to all of you listening to the podcast on the day of its release the only way to do that is by becoming a paid subscriber at I'm your You can do so for as little as $50 a year or $5 a month. And in doing so, you will be supporting me, the work I do, and this show as it expands. And if you can't or you simply don't want to, continue listening to the podcast for free on a wide variety of podcast platforms and, of course, Rumble. All I ask is that you share it with your friends. You can find the links to the podcast, the writing, the social media, and the merch site by visiting linktree.com slash I'm your moderator. So how about that? I miss a day and a half, and while I'm gone, the walls basically closed in all the way, all the way. It just so happens that Donald Trump also had the builders install a trapdoor floor, and he slipped down through that trapdoor Right as the walls smashed into one another, destroying all of the walls, now there are no walls. They're just the dust of what used to be walls. So way to go, me. I miss a podcast the day after a Trump indictment, but the good thing is now he has already been arraigned so we can talk about the indictment and the arraignment all on the same day. That's what you call a happy accident. But before we get into the indictment and the arraignment, let's all take a moment and think about what this situation would have been like in the media environment we were familiar with 15 years ago, or even 10 years ago. And I suppose you could make arguments more recent than that. But what we have seen tailing off over the course of that time is the media's ability to decide what the conversation is and to decide how events will be framed. I have many times described the global regime as controlling the population through their full ownership of the means of information. And I have argued many times that the control over the means of information has been gradually stripped away from them and is now almost completely gone, except with a certain segment ...of the population whose reputation depends on, whose social standing depends on, pretending that the media's world, the world created, constructed, described, shown to us through media and technology, the corporations, the central narrative, that that world as described really does exist and is the only thing that matters. Succeeding in that world is what life is all about, and these are the people I call the party of false decorum. The regime still does have control over the means of information when it comes to these people, because they don't understand that they're being controlled. Again, they benefit from remaining in the party of false decorum. They have built their lives around the success acquired in the party of false decorum. So they're going to continue believing that the world the regime has constructed for them, the false reality the regime has constructed for them, is the real world. They can't imagine that it's not, because if it's not, then everything immediately crashes down around them. So it has to be. It has to be as described. Therefore, they will continue believing it. They will watch Fox News or they will watch MSNBC or they will figure out what sources of information they can use to simultaneously stay right alongside the main story that everyone is hearing on TV, but also convince themselves that they're getting more of the real story than those average people. The point is that they're all getting the same story. Their opinions about the story don't matter. The version of the story they're getting doesn't matter. All that matters is that in the end, they believe whatever story they read is real. Because if they admit it's not real, then the whole thing comes crashing down around them. Now, think back 15 years ago. Think about how many people were in the party of false decorum back then, And whose opinions were dominated by the popular culture and the mainstream media. People believed roughly whatever was on TV because whatever's on TV comports to every other source of information they have. I was one of those people. Now think back to those times and imagine what this story would have been like coming out then. Or if you're old enough to have a strong memory of the 1990s, remember how the OJ trial dominated everything and how the Monica Lewinsky thing dominated everything. Early 2000s, 9-11 happens on television, nothing but 9-11, 24 hours a day for months on end. Anytime people begin doubting the central narrative, throw a few more crazy stories at them. Tell them it's breaking news all the time. Lead us into a war. Do whatever you need to. Just keep that story alive and keep everyone believing it. Think about how long these stories last in the public consciousness now. Stories that would have lasted for a week or a month or many months now disappear in hours or maybe days because, of course, the stories are fake news. But the point is, no one believes them, so no one continues paying attention to them. They just say, oh, that's fake. Can we talk about something more important or at least more interesting? I don't need to hear every intimate exact detail of a story I already know is fake. If someone wants to argue with me, I don't convince them that the details of a fake story aren't true especially not by trying to debunk all of their claims by claiming the opposite. My argument is not that they've got the details wrong. It's that they're talking about fiction. And if they're going to treat fiction as if it's reality, then I'm not going to argue with them because that's pointless. Now, I'm not saying that you have to mock these people the way I do, although you're certainly welcome to. I'm just saying that it's probably not worth burning yourself out to have an argument with one of these people in your real life. And I think we can take for granted that it's not worth having deep arguments with these people if they're strangers online. You don't need to convince a stranger that he's wrong. You don't even know if these are real people. And the truth is, in the party of false decorum, you don't get convinced by being proven wrong. You get convinced by having your reputation and your social standing threatened. They don't care if they're right or wrong. They care about whether or not the things they say will impress the people they want to impress. And I suppose that we've gotten to the point where the people they want to impress strangers online. But we should not be wasting our time doing that. If these people cared about making unbiased assessments of what was really going on, they'd have checked on any of these things. At any point, they'd have checked and they would have thought about what those realizations might have meant in a bigger picture these people have refused to do that for years. It is going to be up to them to decide when they begin to do that. But I can promise you it's not going to happen by arguing with them about the details of a fake news story. If you're one of those people that really loves to wake somebody up, to red pill them, to hit that breakthrough with them all at one time, first of all, Save that for your personal life because it's not going to work with strangers online, but also stop arguing. If they want to listen to what you have to say, then you make your case. You tell them why you believe that thing to the best of your ability. And that's it. That's your sincere effort. If they don't want to look into it themselves, if they think you can't describe it the right way, none of that matters. All you're supposed to do is tell them what you think and perhaps lead them to resources where they can find these things out for themselves. If they are, for instance, still using Google as their search engine, you can say, why don't you try a different search engine? You know that Google censors people and manipulates search results. Everyone knows that about YouTube. So why don't you just leave Google behind, try another search engine for a few weeks and see if the information you're seeing seems different in some way. The truth is they probably wouldn't notice it at all. Then they would forget they made the switch or they would be conscious of it, thinking that it might provide them some advantage over their peers. But they might also just wake themselves up or get themselves over the finish line and you know what they become at that point, redeemable communists. But the point is, when you are speaking to someone who is still in the false reality and who is still in the grasp of the regime's central narrative, they're just addicted to the central narrative, stop having the conversation on their terms. If you express yourself and they immediately try to prove you wrong about an idea they've never heard before then what they're saying to you is you must be wrong because you're you or because you being right would make the whole world crash down around them. At the moment you know that, you can understand that arguing about the details of a fake news story is not going to get you anywhere. But the good news is the number of those people is declining and declining now rapidly. And I know that black pillars out there think that's not true. Everything is just as bad as it's always been. Don't you see what's on the news? Don't you see all of these problems on the news? Well, yes, yes, I do see those problems. But those problems have been around for an awfully long time. And the truth is they are not as bad as they were before which is not to say the problems don't still exist and that the grave moral crime continues to grow as time goes on. I understand that. And that is the saddest and most unfortunate part of all of this. But that said, we do happen to be at war. It's not an excuse. It's just a reality. And if we want to win that war in a stabilized and meaningful way, then it's going to take some time. And I think that that's what we are seeing. And hey, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe this is going on too long. Maybe my relative patience will in the future seem like a massive moral failing. But I don't think so because I was impatient once. I had all of those thoughts. But it turned out that the more I learned and the more I paid attention and the more I thought about what was going on in a big picture sense, the more patient I became. And I think that that's probably true for just about everyone who listens to this show. If your reaction to the reports about this third Trump indictment, which, by the way, of course, Trump basically led himself again, was not one of horror, but instead, everyone knows this is nonsense, I can't believe they're trying this again, then you have become pretty patient. Because you know more, think about how you would have reacted in 2017, in those first few months of Donald Trump's presidency, if the news told you that Trump had been indicted. Now, I know that that doesn't totally work because they can't just go around indicting sitting presidents, or can they? But you get my point. Most of us, not all of us, most of us would have thought that was absolutely real absolutely horrifying, and an immediate sign that our country was basically over. Ten years before that, I think basically everyone would have reacted that way. Conspiracy theorists, quote unquote, were so marginalized at that point. People in the mainstream didn't believe any of it. And if they did, they certainly wouldn't admit it in any public forum. Think about the view of conspiracy theorists at this point. You know that the numbers are coming in this direction. No, they're not going to run a poll and show you the answers of the poll, and that's going to convince you. You can't wait around for that. There's not going to be a day where the TV tells you that the conspiracy theorists have won. You just have to know it's so much easier now, and so many more people are seeing it now. The numbers only go in one direction and they always go in that direction. And they've been going in that direction for a very, very long time. This story would have and should have sucked all the air out of the room for months. A former president indicted multiple times for this crime and that crime and this crime and that crime. Now the stories go away in like two days. And Donald Trump's poll numbers rise. Not that polling's real. Not that it's real. The better proof is that these stories go away in a couple of days because they can't win the argument. The stories are fake. We've already done the homework and the background work on all of these stories, Yeah, we get a little bit of new information here and there. There's a little new context. Old characters come back up and start talking. We analyze their comments. There's always information we can add on. There are always more puzzle pieces to be found and to be placed into the puzzle so that we can get a full picture of the map of reality as best we can see it. But the background work has been done. So when claims come out in these indictments and people by and large already know the truth about those situations, the claims in the indictment collapse immediately and the media spends all its time talking about things that aren't related to the truth or falsity of the claims in the indictment. They repeat all the catchphrases, the very violent insurrection. The violent mob of Trump supporters attacking the Capitol, trying to overturn the results of a free and fair election. Donald Trump knowingly telling malicious lies, making baseless claims about fraud in elections, despite the fact that election experts all around the country agree with people from Donald Trump's own administration. It was the safest and most secure election of all time. And of course it wasn't. But the point is that the mainstream media needs to repeat all of the slogans within the central narrative each and every time they discuss topics that are new to standard issue villagers. The idea is to convince them that this new story has all of the same facts, the same meaning, the same lessons of the stories that you've heard before. This story doesn't threaten the prior stories. In fact, this story confirms the prior stories. This is actually the best story yet. Remember all those things you used to know? Those things that made you feel very safe and secure in your position? You didn't have to worry about figuring these things out for yourself. That's what the TV's for. Remember all those thoughts and feelings you had? Well, this is going to make that so much better. This is the new and improved version. This one has GPS. They're not presenting some fair and balanced view of the situation. They're presenting the claims of Jack Smith, which are really just the claims of the Sham January 6th committee, which are really just the claims Of the media about what happened on January 6th, the January 6th committee, the improperly formed January 6th committee only existed to make the media's story what they showed on January 6th and then after and the second Trump impeachment hoax over how he incited a very violent insurrection seem more true. That's what the committee existed to do, to support that underlying story, not to get to the bottom of January 6th. They didn't get to the bottom of anything. And even the people who watched it knew that. But they passed along their referrals to special counsel Jack Smith. And now special counsel Jack Smith has indicted according to those referrals. Essentially, the media is not going to go out there and pretend that everything that they've shown you for the last two and a half years is false and they're not going to suggest it might be. So they're just presenting the central narrative over and over again, suggesting that now it's all confirmed and then trying to make their child brained standard issue villager audience feel like there's still a chance they might be right despite all these last three years of pretending that they're not wrong about absolutely everything and believing whatever the television tells them to confirm they're not wrong, they're still not wrong. Whatever makes them feel that way is what they're going to believe. And so that's what the mainstream media shows them. I turned on CNN for a little while last night. It's ridiculous. They had three panels in the same show, three different panels that they would switch between. One was like seven people led by Anderson Cooper. Another was five people led by Jake Tapper. And then they had another one led by Caitlin Collins and hers was outside. It was like they were trying to create the sense that they were giving you all the angles. They're doing absolutely everything they can to make this seem like a monumental television event which is funny because the one thing they're pushing more than anything is to have this trial televised now to that i say game on please by all means televise this trial but i guess they think that they would have an advantage in that situation too everyone would be watching it absolutely all the time and maybe CNN and the rest of the mainstream media would get to inject their narratives. They think they would have the country's attention and only them. And maybe that's how they get everybody back on the same page, because that's what they need. They need everybody to be on the same page, which is why they go after, by the way, existential threats, because everyone is supposed to be scared of them at once and react in whatever way the regime decides. That's why COVID was so nice for them. You will notice, by the way, that all the people who still think Donald Trump is going to prison were also massive, super fans of COVID. They loved everything about COVID. But what they loved the most was pretending that they were the only people smart enough to know the science as well as the scientists do. That's why they knew that masks worked, even though they didn't. And it's why they thought they were smarter than you were, believing that masks didn't work. These people are barely taken seriously at this point. And it's not just that they're not taken seriously by you. It's that they are not taken seriously. Their viewpoints are not taken seriously. People might not speak up and argue with them. But no one's rushing to their defense. No one wants to defend these claims in public. No one wants to try to argue that it's all true. I can't even imagine my former Hollywood friends arguing any of this stuff in mixed company. Unless they knew everyone in the room was on their side, they wouldn't be screaming about this stuff. Maybe a couple actresses. That's about it. This is all you have to understand to know that things are going in our direction. A story like this used to suck all the oxygen out of the room for months on end, and now it's basically a clown show. They expected their January 6th committee hearings, televised with television producers to work out spectacularly for them. No one really watched. No one really believed it. In fact, it convinced people that the insurrection was not how they were told it was. And now a year later, they're hearing all of those stories again in an even more unbelievable fashion than they were told last year. And just one other thing worth mentioning as we get into this, if Joe Biden had actually received 81 million real lawful American votes, if there was some sort of Democrat majority in this country, if there was some sort of mainstream standard issue villager majority in this country, none of this would be happening. They wouldn't need censorship. They wouldn't need propaganda. And they damn sure wouldn't need to be stealing elections. Now those things don't even work well enough for them. Now they have to go out and try to imprison their political opponents. We do need to understand that that part of it is true. Are they going to imprison Donald Trump? I guess we'll see how far into this story we actually have to go. But I'm certain that if they get to that point, we will be laughing as it happens. There's also virtually no chance we would ever get to that point. Certainly not on the timeline. It's not going to happen before next year's election which is not to say he won't be quote-unquote convicted, but absolutely none of this would be happening if they could simply tell the public the truth and have the public be on their side. Now, this country wasn't intended to be a democracy, much less our democracy, but even if it was, democracy then wouldn't be a situation where One side tries to trick enough followers into voting for it while the other side does the same thing. And we've essentially been led to believe that that's just what politics is. A strong and functioning democracy would be two sets of leaders with different ideas, honestly telling the people about their ideas, and then the people deciding which ideas they would rather align themselves with. What we have are two parties. Lying to everybody and dividing along lines of identity characteristics so that there will always be an opposition, and in the midst of that opposition, they can smuggle in a false reality. None of this would be necessary if that viewpoint had a real majority. You don't have to believe everything is fixed to understand that things are headed rapidly in our direction, despite what the central narrative tells you. The central narrative wants you to be angry, wants you to be confused, wants you to be horrified. But more than any of the feelings it wants to evoke, it wants to convince you that that false reality really is real. And here's one of the ways they do that sort of thing. Let's start with this new Jack Smith situation this way. This is from Breitbart on Tuesday. Jack Smith's charges against Trump include potential death penalty. Special counsel Jack Smith's indictment Tuesday against former President Donald Trump for his role in attempting to challenge the results of the 2020 presidential election includes several weighty felonies, including one for which death may be a penalty. 18 U.S. Code 241, conspiracy against rights, includes a penalty of up to 10 years in federal prison. But it adds that if death results from the actions covered under this provision, the offender may be executed. And here is the text of 18 U.S. Code section 241. If two or more persons conspire to injure, oppress, threaten or intimidate any person in any state, territory, commonwealth, possession or district in the free exercise or enjoyment of any right or privilege secured to him by the Constitution or laws of the United States or because of his having so exercised the same, or if two or more persons go in disguise on the highway or on the premises of another with the intent to prevent or hinder his free exercise or enjoyment of any right or privilege so secured, they shall be fined under this title or imprisoned not more than ten years or both, and if death results from the acts committed in violation of this section— or if such acts include kidnapping or an attempt to kidnap, aggravated sexual abuse or an attempt to commit aggravated sexual abuse or an attempt to kill, they shall be fined under this title or imprisoned for any term of years or for life or both or may be sentenced to death. Now, as you might have already known or may have intuited, that was written to prosecute members of the clan. That Democrat Communist Party organization that was formed under the premise that black lives did not matter. But don't worry, all of that was changed in the great switcheroo when LBJ signed the Civil Rights Act saying that this will have those N-words voting Democrat for the next 200 years. And that's the moment at which the Democrat Party was no longer the party of racism, even though racism is only possible under collectivist ideologies. But I suppose we should thank Jack Smith for providing us the opportunity to recall this important history. And to be clear, this isn't just from my research or our research The KKK element is being reported on in the Washington Post. Those really are the origins of this piece of the U.S. code. The Breitbart article goes on and is actually worth sharing because it describes the charges here as well, and also the premise on which they would hinge these death penalty claims. One person, Ashley Babbitt, a rioter shot by a law enforcement officer, died as a result of the Capitol riot on January 6th, which Smith said Tuesday, was a result of Trump's claims about the election. But Democrats have blamed Trump for the unrelated deaths of several protesters and Capitol Police officers. Democrats and some of Trump's Republican opponents have also tried to blame him for apparent efforts by some of the rioters to kidnap then-Vice President Mike Pence and Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi. Smith could try to argue the same. And we have talked many times about how the January 6th very violent insurrection sounded like it was from the very same playbook as the Maidan massacre in Ukraine. There was at least some incentive for the regime plants and informers and agents, whatever you might like to call them, to escalate the violence in order to cause more of those deaths. Are we going to pretend that the regime wouldn't have wanted more deaths and wanted to exploit more deaths? Jack Smith is blaming the story about Ashley Babbitt's death on Trump when a Capitol Police officer shot an unarmed woman? I mean, that is the story. The other alleged crimes in the January 6th indictment against Trump include lengthy prison terms as well. And here are those three charges. 18 U.S. Code, Section 371, Conspiracy to Defraud the United States. The maximum penalty is five years in prison, though penalties can be less if the conspiracy is to commit a misdemeanor. In that case, the punishment cannot be greater than the greatest for that crime. 18 U.S. Code Section 1512 K. Conspiracy to obstruct an official proceeding. This statute, crafted originally to punish witness tampering, has a maximum penalty of 20 years in federal prison for anyone who obstructs, influences, or impedes any official proceeding. 18 U.S. Code Section 512C, obstruction of an attempt to obstruct an official proceeding. This likewise carries up to 20 years. If Trump is convicted of all four charges and receives the maximum non-lethal penalty, he could be in prison for 55 years. If the sentences are set to run consecutively, that, in addition to the possible 460 years in prison in the documents case, That Smith is prosecuting in federal court in Miami brings Trump's maximum federal prison term to 515 years over half a millennium. And of course, you can imagine how that prison sentence would be used in public conversation by a standard issue villager. They will say things like 515 years in prison would be going easy on a criminal like Donald Trump. They can and should be pursuing the death penalty. And let's hold on that for just a second. I did an episode almost entirely about Trump's stance on the death penalty a few months back because the mainstream media had been running a series of very strange stories about Trump's quote unquote death squads and his quote unquote bloodlust because he was getting rid of death penalty bans and actually executing people who had been sentenced to death for federal crimes. And all of that coverage had a very slanted anti-death penalty point of view. And I'm not saying that people can't be anti-death penalty. I'm not here to argue your view on the death penalty. I'm just saying that the coverage had a slant, and that was the slant. Now we are seeing a reversal of that, and people are going to argue for the death penalty. These standard-issue villagers, these child brains, these people— consumed with and addicted to the central narrative who can only say the one thing, they are going to be arguing that in this instance, the death penalty is warranted because it's Trump. Now, this might seem sad and depressing and unfair, but this is a good thing. Let them make the argument that the death penalty is warranted in certain situations. Now, mentioning that, think back. A couple of weeks ago when the New York Times first announced what charges Jack Smith might file based on these sham January 6th committee investigations and hearings. These were the charges that they proposed and we went through these charges and I made the case that not only was Trump not guilty of these things, the members of the regime actually were. What's happening now, intentionally or otherwise, is that these standard issue villagers are being led into making all of the arguments that will solidify the public case against all the members of the regime at the moment that part begins. Now, again, that's not going to make any sense to the black pillars and the doomers out there because they believe that part is never going to begin. Apparently, they think that the exactness of all of these charges and the range of issues that they cover is just a coincidence. Now, many of you have likely heard this clip by now, but for anyone who hasn't and for the sake of posterity, this is one of Donald Trump's attorneys, John Lauro.
1: What Mr. Trump did was exactly uh, constitutionally uh, pre- precise and, and, and in order. There was nothing illegal about that, and, and he was required to take steps as President of the United States to ensure that th- that election was held in a valid way. Um, all of that now is being criminalized. The one thing I will say, though, in 2020, the, Mr. Trump's campaign had a few weeks to gear up and present evidence, and it was very difficult. We now have the ability in this case to issue our own subpoenas, and we will relitigate every single issue in the 2020 election in the context of this litigation. It, it, it gives President Trump an opportunity that he has never had before, which is to have subpoena power since. January 6th, in a way yeah. that can be exercised in federal but court. What you're talking about, the states, the states did that. Each individual state certified the elections. They were signed by the governors, many of them Republican governors, um, and many of them Republican secretaries of state. Uh, that signed off and certified those election results before they came to Washington, D.C., and we had what was January 6th. So what you're talking about was done. It was certified. No, no, I'm sorry, but but you're missing what what Professor Eastman's advice was. Professor Eastman said that the state legislatures, had not opined and weighed in on the changes that had been done in those various states. And what they've really done is invited now a relitigation of 2020, but this time in a criminal court, which is unprecedented. No sitting president has ever been criminally charged for his views, for taking a position. And by the way, is there any doubt there's two systems of justice in the United States? Was Hillary Clinton prosecuted for the Russian hoax? Were those individuals who said, don't worry about the Biden Biden laptop because it's just Russian disinformation, are they being prosecuted? No. Only one person in America is being prosecuted for his political beliefs. And that should send a chill, a warning to every single American who one day wants to get up and say, This is what I believe in. I disagree with the Biden administration, but these are the beliefs I have because every person who does that now is subject to a potential criminal case.
0: Now, within the village, their sophisticated response that is supposed to absolve them from all of the problems with this situation is that Trump is allowed to speak. He's allowed to say those things. He's allowed to think those things but he just has to do it in the right way. He can't take those opinions and then consider them facts and then tell the public that blah, blah, blah. And he can't encourage the legislatures to blah, blah, blah. He's just not allowed to do any of that stuff. He has to do it the right way. And the right way, of course, is any way in which they can say Trump didn't do it. Except what Trump did, he did according to the law. And he did because it was his duty to do it. What kind of American who cared about the country at all, and I'm aware that these people do not, but what kind of American who cared about the country at all would want a president who would not contest an election that he knows he won and is nonetheless being handed to someone else? That's a coup. That's a usurpation of the United States of America, the most powerful country in the history of the world, we are told, usurped by a doddering old fool and pervert who has spent a lifetime, a career in political corruption and criminality. And I imagine that the people on television making the case for the regime will have to continue revising this story because so far... Their explanations do not make any sense. But the best point here is that now we will have the opportunity to have all of these various claims adjudicated in public to whatever length possible. Donald Trump is not stupid. He was not uninformed. He was not lied to. He didn't invent his claims out of nothing. He did not listen to the conspiracy theorists. He did not get bad advice. He was president and he knew exactly what happened. He pursued those claims by the book and others pursued their claims and other avenues as well. In that situation, I would want the people advising me to express every possible interpretation of the law, of the Constitution, give me all the options about what the best strategies are. What are the options? Because I would be, as president, the one who must make the decision on how to proceed, knowing that the regime has done what the regime has done. They have stolen an American election. They have a history of rigging and stealing elections, which has been tracked. Are we really to believe that they did not monitor the 2018 elections, even though Donald Trump had written executive order one, three, eight, four, eight. Before that people imagine that what I just said isn't true and that the proof is nothing has happened, but that's not proof of anything because it's only nothing has happened yet. What could we have expected to happen? And again, that's not going to satisfy black pillars and doomers. There is overwhelming evidence of election fraud, election rigging, election theft out there in the public. There is absolutely no evidence, nor can there be any evidence, that Joe Biden received 81 million real lawful American votes. But that case has never been made to the public all at one time. They were told that all of the claims of election fraud and election malfeasance were conspiracy theories and not real, nothing for them to worry about. They could just Forget the whole thing. Donald Trump is terrible. You know he's terrible, even if there were some problems with the election. What are you going to do? Ask for the election to be checked, knowing that you have to have four more years of Donald Trump? Of course, you're not going to do that, commie. And so they all just ignored it. They called people crazy. They said that people were telling the big lie. They called them domestic terrorists. They simply moved on and they told everybody else to move on. This case has never been made in public for everyone to see all at the same time. That's when the real motion actually happens because everybody's saying, come on, you don't really believe that, do you? All at the same time. And that's going to happen nine months from now, nine months more of waking up, and then we're going to get into this stuff. I mean, honestly, bring it on. That doesn't worry me at all. You can look in the indictment, and many people have done excellent Thorough coverage of the indictment. My good friend Kyle, just human, did a very long read through and analysis of the indictment. I listened to the whole thing. Really great job. I don't agree with every one of his conclusions about everything, but that's okay. We have different knowledge bases and we have different ways of seeing this situation. But in that indictment, the central claim is that Donald Trump knew there was nothing wrong with this election and he tried to pretend that there was anyway. And all of these terrible consequences resulted from his irresponsible, reckless, un-American behavior. He threatened our democracy. He brought the mob to D.C. They attacked the Capitol. We had a very violent insurrection and things have been chaos ever since because Donald Trump is threatening our democracy. All of this done on knowingly false claims. He knew he was lying and he did it anyway. That is what we are being sold by the media. That's what we were shown with the sham January 6th committee. And that's what we're being told in the Jack Smith indictments. Donald Trump knew he was lying. He had no reason to believe anything he was saying, even though, of course, he does have vastly more information at his disposal as president than anyone in the media and anyone in the global regime who was involved in stealing that election. He created a legal apparatus to deal with this, knowing that it was going to happen in advance. And we are supposed to believe that none of that is true because we haven't seen the final outcome go in our direction yet. That's not how life works, my friends. But you go through the claims in this indictment and Each one of them is a scenario from the post 2020 election period, whether it's dead voters in Georgia or the phone call to Brad Raffensperger in Ryan, Germany, or it's the Ruby Freeman situation, or it's something in Arizona or Michigan, but the claims are presented and claims about how Donald Trump had been told by someone that those claims weren't true And then Trump made them anyway. That's the critical part. Donald Trump had already been told by someone who is claimed to be authoritative that the claims weren't true. And therefore, Trump is responsible for everything that happened because he was lying to everyone on purpose to go along with any of that. You have to believe the media's story about election fraud. You have to believe that none of those claims are true. And hey, is it possible that we got double or triple PSYOP and that none of these claims are true too? Yeah, I guess it's possible. But at the end of the day, there is no way in the world Joe Biden received 81 million real lawful American votes. And that claim and everything that resulted from it has been a fraud. That is not possible. That is not true. There is overwhelming evidence that there was fraud there was overwhelming evidence that election law was not followed, that election processes were changed without the consent of the state legislature. There were reasons beyond reasons why none of the election should have ever been certified in the first place. And the idea that Donald Trump made up all these claims while having the best possible access to information is preposterous unless you already believe that Donald Trump is stupid, narcissistic, a liar, unable to control himself, etc. Regardless, for Jack Smith to claim that all of these claims are false and that Trump is lying when he goes out to the American public talking about these claims, well, that's going to be impossible to prove because the claims aren't false. They have never been adjudicated. Jack Smith is literally taking it on authority that all claims of election fraud are false. Has he examined evidence of election fraud? There is no way in the world that has happened. Donald Trump has had some interesting things to say on Truth Social about all of this this week. On Sunday, he wrote, Is Special Counsel Robert Herr going to step up and behave like deranged Jack Smith with regard to crooked Joe Biden's many document crimes? Remember, unlike me, Biden is not covered by the Presidential Records Act and all the other crimes committed by him and the Biden crime family. Will her prosecute these grifters? Everybody is laughing at Robert Her, saying he is not tough like deranged Jack Smith. Show them, Robert, that you are every bit the man as the deranged one. And he concludes with MAGA and an exclamation point. We had the Devin Archer stuff on Monday. And then this week, we had part one of a Tucker Carlson sit down with Devin Archer, what was he thanking you for? Well, uh, you know, was, first of all, it's a lovely letter, and it was—it's <laughs> <laughs> quite enthusiastic. It's a little <laughs> weird, though, right? Yeah.
1: Well, it was. It, listen, it was—it was kind of the beginning of our partnership, and he was thanking me and thanking Hunter. I think at the end of the day, for bringing this idea of this government regulatory strategic advisory business into the private equity world, and I think he was excited about the prospects for Hunter, and um, you know, he was uh, just just thanking
0: me. I think it was a nice gesture. Now, I haven't seen too many people remark on that, but that is pretty astounding. The business model was influencing government regulatory structures on behalf of other nations and marrying that with the private equity world. That is just straight up corruption. First of all, the regulatory structure is ridiculous. They're basically creating the rules by which businesses have to operate. What does it mean when they're doing that on behalf of foreign countries? The regulatory apparatus is how they choose winners and losers in the economy. It's how they allow bad actors to remain bad actors and keep succeeding at being bad actors. And they're doing it with foreign energy companies and marrying that to private equity. They are literally selling out the country to foreign adversaries, and it harms not only the country and the country's interests as a country, quote unquote, it's harming individual business owners who are Americans. Now the transcripts, the Archer transcripts are out and the whole Use your illusion thing that we discussed on Wednesday, the whole Dan Goldman explanation. Dan Goldman now being called the new Adam Schiff, which is perfect. Well, he kind of whiffed on that one. But we have Donald Trump being harassed with this nonsense while Joe Biden gets off scot-free and his son gets off scot-free for doing worse versions of the same thing. And I actually mean worse in two ways there. They are more severe versions of the same thing. And they also happen to be real, whereas the claims against Donald Trump are fake. But in this, once again, we can see them going after Trump in all the ways that we will see the members of the regime gone after in the future. These violations of federal law that Trump is being pursued under all apply to the members of the regime, I am suggesting to you that that is not a mistake. If that is just some random coincidence and Donald Trump actually believes that he's under threat in some way, why is he acting the way he's acting? Why is Donald Trump Jr. on his podcast laughing and joking around? No one on that side seems worried about this. Because they know what's going on, and they know that the charges mean nothing. Trump has come out and actually said they're fake. But I know, I know, Trump is reckless and careless with his words, and he's probably just joking or being hyperbolic. He doesn't actually mean they're fake. They can't be fake. They're totally happening. And okay, maybe that's correct. Maybe that's correct. Or maybe he's saying they're fake because they genuinely are fake. There was actually a really funny interview yesterday, CBS News, a man named Scott McFarlane, who, if you look him up online, is listed as five foot nine. Now, maybe that's totally wrong. Maybe he's six foot nine. But he was interviewing yesterday one of the Capitol Police officers that appeared before the sham January 6th committee to cry on television, Harry Dunn, a man who is listed as six foot seven. Scott McFarlane was interviewing Harry Dunn. It looked like they were both standing up. They certainly didn't seem to be sitting on stools or anything like that. Their body language just did not suggest that they were sitting. They were standing. Scott McFarlane looked like he was two or three inches taller than Harry Dunn, a man who is listed at six foot seven, a man who appears in pictures with Nancy Pelosi and Jamie Raskin towering over them a man who cannot possibly be shorter than another man who is five foot nine. And that's with the video already looking like it's on a green screen. Now, is it possible that I'm making something out of nothing and that they were actually just sitting down and the stools were adjusted in a height that made them look roughly the same for the sake of the shot on camera? Yeah, sure, that's possible. But you can just watch the video for yourself and decide for yourself. That's the point of all this. You look you see what you see, you describe what you see honestly, with no shame about someone thinking you're crazy and calling you crazy because the people doing that are still pretending that masks worked and that Donald Trump is going to prison for 515 years and should be thankful that he's not receiving the death penalty. Those people simply are not credible. Now, you might ask yourself, why in the world was Harry Dunn and the three other Capitol Police officers who cried on camera in the January 6th hearings, why were they attending Donald Trump's arraignment? Does that seem like a normal legal process to you? They're just there for the ceremony, for the display? Why would they be invited there? Why would they attend? Why were there so many camera crews? It was also reported that seven federal judges attended the arraignment as well. They just wanted to be part of this legal history, I suppose. Maybe they've just been so emotionally affected by all of it that they want to be there in person to see this man finally get his first taste of real justice. Is this really what good faith federal judges and capital Police officers who understand the gravity of that very dark day? Should be doing no, of course it's not. This is a television show. The regime's media is trying to show you that it is very, very important to make sure that Trump is convicted and then imprisoned. It's probably the only thing that can save America from their perspective, the perspective that the standard issue villagers are supposed to now embody. You got to get everybody on the same page. You have to make sure that everybody knows Donald Trump must be convicted and imprisoned if not put to death. Otherwise, the threat to our democracy will never pass. Just look at his supporters. Look at the things they say. Look at the way they act. Call them maggots. Call them vermin. Call them stupid. Do all of the things. Do whatever you do. Get in as many confrontations with those terrible people as you can. Otherwise, our democracy might never emerge from this period of grave threat. This is what they are told they must do and how they must feel and how they must think and how they must treat people. And they have gone along with it the entire time. What could it possibly take to turn these people around? It's certainly not going to be an argument about the details of Trump's phone call with Brad Raffensberger in Ryan, Germany. At any point in the last two and a half years plus, these people could have simply listened to the 45 minute long phone call. And if they did that, they would know that the way the media has presented it to them and the way Jack Smith is presenting it to them does not in any way reflect the reality of that phone call. But they haven't done it. So they're not going to listen to you when you tell them about it. CNN tried to present Donald Trump's demeanor as very angry, very frustrated coming out of the courtroom. Somebody with knowledge of the situation told Caitlin Collins that Trump seemed pissed off after his day in court. And certain standard issue villagers will think that's because Donald Trump knows this is the beginning of the end. Others will claim that Donald Trump's ego is bruised because of how this threatens his image. He's sad that he's finally going to be held responsible. But that's not true. Donald Trump flew back to Bedminster and attended one of the weddings there. He looked happy as can be, as normal as always, totally relaxed. Was he really pissed off at his day in court? Here's how pissed off he was. This is what he posted last night on Truth Social. Considering the fact that I had to fly to a filthy, dirty, falling apart and very unsafe Washington, D.C. today, and that I was then arrested by my political opponent, who is losing badly to me in the polls, Crooked Joe Biden. It was a very good day. Firing off that post and then going and attending a wedding with a big smile on? oh yeah, he's so pissed off. He also posted on truth social this week. I need one more indictment to ensure my election. Do you think he doesn't know what's coming? What's the one more indictment? Well, the one more indictment is going to be this nonsense in Georgia. And between all of these cases, the documents, the January 6th stuff, the election fraud stuff, What sort of evidence are we going to see presented to the public for the very first time? Finally, we're going to see all of it, the deep state corruption, the theft and rigging of American elections, the continual theft and rigging of the American elections and the absolute lie that is the very violent insurrection all of those narratives will be destroyed in public. We know we are right. The work has already been done. None of it's ever been debunked. None of it's ever been refuted. The situation has always been exactly what we have said it was. Have we been right about every single detail? No, of course not. But we have proven beyond a shadow of a doubt that the story presented by the media and those who believe they maintain some level of control over the means of information is completely and totally false. So many parts of it are made up out of nothing that the falsity of the underlying claims are totally exposed. All we need is for it to be presented in public for the first time. This isn't the first taste of Trump being held accountable. This is the first taste of the regime being held accountable. This is going to be when the people finally realize what has been done to them and done in their name. I will be back Monday, if not before. Also, I guess, if not after, but at the same reasonable time and on the same reasonable podcast network, except I don't have a network. Masks and lockdowns do not work. They lied to you about a pandemic and Joe Biden will never be president. In my mind, that's the end game. If you're listening to this episode for free, you can support me and support the show and the work I do by signing up for a paid subscription at imyourmoderator.substack.com. You can do so for as low as $50 a year or $5 a month, comes out to under a quarter per episode, and you'll blast right through the paywall for all of the writing. The merch store is www.cancelcouture.com and you can find everything else by heading to Linktree. Linktree.com slash I'm Your Moderator. And I'll see you soon. Out on the range.
1: Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.
0: Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping
1: flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all
0: body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just 9 dollars each with Prime. Round out Mom's Menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake,
1: and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.
0: Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time.